the Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Not an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community, and know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com slash hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back to part two of uh, this first edition of Armchair Politics in the New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. I am joined uh, for this week's edition by our roundtable regulars, uh, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. Paul, welcome back. Good to be here. Happy New Year. And on the right, longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter. Welcome back to you as well, Henry. Thank you. Happy New Year. And it's always a treat when we have a political operative and 2020 elector Bobby Clayton Walton join the roundtable. Bobby, welcome back. Thanks for uh, <laughs> joining us. Thanks. Thanks. I enjoy being part of your New Year. And Bobby, I wanted to say congratulations. Um, oh, thank you. For the surviving. best team won. The Democrats knew they found a way to win. and uh, <clears throat> But uh, we'll have a lot more to say about that later. Well, you but, know what I think, Henry, just quickly. I think the reason the Democrats are winning is because the Democrats have learned how to talk to voters who have been turned off and don't trust government and don't see a value of their vote. I think what Stacey Abrams accomplished in Georgia was just that. In some ways... Well, I'm not sure. You, you won't find that as a as a consensus with all the people. There well, are the reasons. In, in some but it was hard to They strategized. It was their strategy. In some yeah. ways, they have tapped into uh, the, the Donald Trump playbook by, by trying to appeal to working-class people. Yes. Well, you know, and whatever their concerns are. I, I talked to a two, I talked to a few voters, talked to a couple of neighbors here, and this guy, on one hand, was a Trump supporter, 
but he was also very favorably disposed to, to Bernie Sanders. So, I mean, it was kind of yes. an anti-establishment sort of feeling that he was just, he's not very involved in politics generally anyhow, but, but he bounced between Trump and Bernie Sanders. So go figure. I mean, it was an anti-establishment sort of reaction. You and know, yet, it, makes me, seen... it, it makes me wonder, because of the success of the extremes, if if, if a somewhat moderate like uh, uh, Joe Biden could have won the nomination had it not been for the pandemic. Hmm. That would have been a big challenge, I think. Yeah, I think so. And and, and Biden was not in the, in the front run until South Carolina. Before then, he was not considered a particularly likely nominee. Uh, And with respect to Bernie Sanders, I am so amazed at the young people who gravitate to Bernie Sanders, those in high school and those who now are young adults. They they are infatuated with, uh, with this socialist trend, and they are against millionaires. I don't know that it's socialist as much as it is kicking over the traces and trying something new. Yeah, yeah no, that, I, I can't debate that. But but what Bernie offers, I think it resonates with the kids, a college education. And there's no way that they most kids will never find a way to college without government support. There's just no way. Well, well yeah, I mean, I mean the, the states have cut funding to colleges and universities so much. I mean, when I when I went, it was a a very modest expense. You didn't you didn't pile up tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt to go to school. Yeah, right. And right. now I know so many kids who who come out of school with basically a huge mortgage on their back before they get their first job. Yeah, and if they don't get a very good job, they can't make enough living yeah. to really pay off the debt. Uh, let's see. One thing I forgot to mention: the company that designed election equipment used in Detroit, Antrim County, and many <laughs> other jurisdictions across the the country oh. wants a former contract employee and others with ties to Michigan to stop spreading election misinformation. Last week, attorneys representing Dominion Voting Systems sent cease and desist letters to a litany of people tied to the campaign of President Donald Trump, including several with ties to Michigan. The legal requests are part of a broader strategy aimed at combating misinformation spread by Trump allies that the voting systems uh, company played a role in a conspiracy to steal the election from Trump. All three letters indicate litigation is imminent, but that's no guarantee anyone will be sued. Dominion asks everyone to hold on to a wide array of documents and evidence of communications with, among others, members of President Donald Trump's presidential campaign and media. The broad requests state they need to preserve this information even if it wasn't published. Will all this be dropped if Congress certifies the Electoral College vote today? You would hope so. It needs to be dropped. We're too far. We have to get this country going again. Uh, We're in the pits right now. The QAnon people are still active out there, and I think they're the source of most of us. Yeah, what is is shocking to me is not that Trump says this, but that that there's so many other people who are believing it. That that is the the most worrisome thing, frankly, from my perspective. Well, people yeah, I, who don't think. understand technology, I think, um, 
don't trust it and really believe that it can be manipulated. Of course, it can be, but when you've got oversight and safeguards and requirement that evidence be presented to support your argument, it sort of falls apart. I mean, I wonder, have we ever had an election where there have been so many recounts and double checks and, and uh, verifications of, 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 of various states? I mean, it, it seemed like so many states have had you know, endless recounts, double and triple counting. and, and But, uh, Paul, that had to be done at this juncture. That had to be done. Our, the integrity of the American election system was at stake. Oh, I think it is. And I think, I think that's we had to go through that in many ways, multiple times, to create the kind of uh, re, uh, or reestablish faith as much as we can in the system. Yeah, but even that is not enough. It must, we must continue to just demonstrate that. No, I, I, I think, in, in honesty, I think this is probably our most honest election ever for, for, because of all those double and triple checking recounts and so forth. Well, that, that, this discussion leads right into this, this next item. A top Georgia election official said Monday that everybody's vote did count in the state's November elections as he shot down a list of voter fraud conspiracy theories President Donald Trump aired in a call with Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger this past weekend. The reason I'm having to stand here today is because there are people in positions of authority and respect who have said their votes didn't count, and it's not true, said Gabriel Sterling, the voting systems implementation manager for the Georgia Secretary of State's office, during a news conference. Sterling said Monday that the president's voter fraud claims are all easily provably false as he ran through some of the conspiracy theories that Trump floated on his call with with, uh, Raffensperger. Addressing Trump's claim that ballots had been shredded, Sterling said flatly, there is no shredding of ballots going on. That's not real. It's not happening. How do you prove something didn't happen in a way that convinces people who believe that it did? Well, they won't believe it anyway. Yeah. But one of the things I started is yeah. enough people on both sides looking at that process. That's the only way. Here, here's what I was going to say. If you look at Donald Trump's history of winning and winning using the word loosely, um, <laughs> many of the con- many of the conflicts that he's had in the past, he always relies on going to court. He always relies on having lawyers argue his case until his opponents give up either because it's too terribly expensive to continue or they're just worn down and agree to some sort of a settlement. In this case, he's run up against the American system of justice and election laws that depend on each state having their individual control, and he can't win the way he normally wins, which is why he's, he's just really quite frustrated. I mean, he's he's had almost a perfect record of losing, with fifty or sixty times in court so far, by some current count. Uh, I mean, it's 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 incredible. But, but guys, you're putting too much of the responsibility on Trump. There's a Republican Party out there, and they were gauging things as well. They knew the steps that they could not take, and they knew the steps that they had to take to support the president. But the, so they had to do a balancing act so that it will stand to fight another day. Hope you're, hope you're able to stand to fight another day, Henry. Well, we will. And uh, when we come to that, I'll tell you, as uh, Thomas said, that we will mention 
uh, this again about the national election that we just had yesterday. And I, I take some 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 consolation in the fact that at least more than a few Republicans are are, are at least gradually, very slowly, willing to stand up to Trump and say, "No, it's over. Call it a day." Uh, you know, not just Mitt Romney, but a number of others are slowly coming to the realization and they're willing to say it, including the Secretary of State of Georgia, among others. Uh, so yeah. I, I, I'm glad to see that happening, at least for the good of the country. Not just for the purpose. Yes, I'm glad to hear that from the Secretary of State in Georgia too. That that eases my suspicion. Yeah, and I think also if you look at at the um, the kind of people in the Republican Party who are standing up, they are people who trust the system, and people who are not opportunists that are using the current situation to advance themselves. But that's the nature of the American political system. That just doesn't apply to Republicans. They apply no. to everybody. Black and white and women. And, uh, and he, there's all human beings, Henry. Yeah. So I think I, I support the Secretary of State in Georgia for what he did. Well, I support what he's currently doing, but I would like to see him to uh, open up the system so that it's not coercive. I don't know. How could that be coercive? I don't know, but I do know that there's a lot of voter suppression that goes on, particularly in some of the southern states. Oh, that used to be. That's going Well, it could be better. It could be better. Well, that uh, we had the same problem here for years and could find no evidence of that. Well, in the election going on in Georgia... Um, certainly seems to to indicate, and I'm talking about this uh, special Senate election, um, seems to show that, that things have and are changing in southern states. Yeah. And, and you know, sometimes when there's an attempt for voter suppression, sometimes the voters will respond by turning out in greater numbers. There's a, case, a couple of cases where that's been the case. Where you say, you try and stop me, I'm going to go vote. Even folks who ordinarily would not vote may actually take that extra step and, and right. make it to the polls. Well, you know, that was one of my observations about the Electoral College, because when I was in Lansing, uh, several reporters came up to talk to us, and one asked me about whether I supported the Electoral College, and I said, well, I'm sort of torn on that, because I understand... Um, the ramifications of it and how it doesn't really honor the one person, one vote. But on the other hand, I do know that the presence of the Electoral College really stimulated people to get out and vote in this election yeah. because they saw what happened the last time. And so in the sense that it, it really got people involved in recognizing governing is not a spectator sport, they really came out. So that was a good thing about it. God, I think a lot of people learned, learned more about the Electoral College than they ever had before in, in, in great detail about exactly you know, when they meet, how they meet, how the votes are cast, and, and of course, what's going on today as well. All of these answers yeah. that have on one hand and on the other hand, it sounds like a bunch of economists. Um, <laughs> we're, we, speaking of economists, we have to take a short break, but we will be back with more Armchair Politics. Uh, if you're listening to us on WFOV 92.1 FM, our voices radio in Flint, uh, we're going to let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well, and then we'll uh, 
continue with more from Georgia and from Washington on armchair politics. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. Hey, this is Tom. Most of the music you hear on the Tom Sumner program is provided by local artists. Tune in Fridays for live music and conversation with some of the area's most talented singers, songwriters, and performers. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. The Tom Sumner Program, celebrating the rich talent pool from Flint, Genesee County, and throughout Michigan. The humpback whale, master of the deep, tireless voyager, perhaps the most fascinating mammal in creation. Tests have shown the humpback to possess an intelligence almost human in its range and complexity. Humpbacks can communicate with one another, express pain and pleasure, and experience emotion. But with these advanced faculties, it seems, come problems. This highly sophisticated submarine recording, made in the humpback's favorite feeding grounds off Baja, California, reveals that the enormous animals may even share with their chief predator man some of those tragic physical disabilities the flesh is heir to. The humpback whales cannot help themselves. Only you can help them. Please send a contribution to Save the Whales Before They Blast Themselves Into Extinction. 
Box 101, Grand Central Station, New York. This has been a message from your Terminal Flatulence Association. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. Armchair Politics continues now on the Tom Sumner Program with Bobby Clayton Walton joining our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter. Um, in the now notorious phone call between uh, President Donald Trump, Georgia's Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger and staff, the president repeated multiple false claims in an effort to claim victory in Georgia, a state he lost to President-elect Joe Biden. Trump has been tossing out debunked conspiracy theories over the election in Georgia, a state that flipped from Trump in uh, 2016 to Biden since uh, just days after he lost. The state has certified its election results three times under Raffensperger's leadership and found no mass voter fraud. In one of the most striking moments of the call, um, Trump said, I just want to find 11,780 votes, one more than he lost by, and proposed several areas where Biden's total might be reduced. Did the president break Georgia or federal election tampering law with this phone call? Well, I think Brendan Beery's comments in the early hours said an awful lot. I didn't realize the difference between federal law and the state law, but it sounds like the Georgia law is much more specific and might well have a violation there from what what Beery had said in the early earlier part of the program. Mm-hmm. I heard the district attorney from the uh, the district where this call occurred. Uh, or where Raffensperger was, um, say that she was investigating it in Georgia. So Georgia law may come forward. I think one of the things about the call was if another person had made the request, if it was just somebody else, what would the response be yeah. uh, other than the President of the United States? I mean, it's it sounds to me like it was definitely wrong and criminal is possible. And especially when you, you mentioned the exact number, uh, 11,740 or 80 votes or something. That's when, right. When you're talking about it, it's not just, I need your help, do what you can. My favorite part of that call, Paul, was when he said, um, come on, guys, I just need 11,000 votes. Give me a break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I grew up in Chicago, and I think I told this story before. My mother used to have her hair done at a local hairdresser's every week, and um, the mob was very big, you know, of course, in Chicago, and probably still is. And I remember right. she she came home and said that um, one of the women she knew there, uh, her husband had been found dead in a trunk, you know. His name was Needlenose Labriola. And when I was listening to Donald Trump, I was thinking about, you know, the guys, uh, the maid guys and all the other guys, because his conversation sounded so... Oh, it sounded so godfatherish. <laughs> make, make him an offer he can't refuse. <laughs> That's right. I only need this. Come on, guys. Right. <laughs> Henry, are you still with us? Oh. I think we must have lost Henry. Oh, lost Henry. Oh. Oh. We need I'm Henry sorry. here. Yeah. Well, maybe he'll, maybe he'll call back maybe in. Maybe he'll come back in. Um, yeah. But, but, no, that was a bizarre call. I I <laughs> the... I, uh, I I often wonder whether that played any kind of role in the outcome of the Georgia elections, whether it's 
just discouraged enough Republicans to stay home or forget about the whole thing or whatever? I, I don't know. Very strange law from President. I couldn't believe Purdue's response of anger and outrage that the call was taped. I mean, yeah. he wasn't outraged at the fact that the call took place, but the fact that it was taped. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And apparently, if at least from one report... The comment on, here we are, we are condemning Donald Trump without knowing what the law is. As uh, Bobby says, that needs an investigation. I agree with her. Well, obviously, we have Henry back. Good, Henry. Hi, Henry. Yeah. <laughs> Hi. Good to have you back. And thanks you for... You had a great comment there about uh, investigations. Don't, don't just condemn the man just on guesswork. This is a nation of laws. It Not is. And one of, the things that I, one of the things I observed from the people that were raising uh, the roof about the courts dismissing the cases that were brought um, prior to this were, well, the court didn't even investigate it. They didn't even look into it. That's not the role of the court. The court is not the investigator. The people who prosecute crime are the investigators. The people yes. who arrest people are the investigators. It's not up yes. to the courts to do the investigation. No, so no. the DA or Attorney no. General or whoever would bring the case would have to do the investigation. You know, you know one other strange thing here, too, is even if somehow Trump were successful in, in changing Georgia... That's not going to change the election. I mean, it, that's it, right. That's only yeah, sixteen that's, votes. Yeah. Exactly. That's not going to change anything. It's, it's a bizarre kind and of guys, scenario. You got to remember, for Trump, I, I don't care who's guilty, whether it's guilty or not. But the law prevails first. You can make these accusations, but I want to make sure that you toe the line when you go uh, when you lay these claims down. Well, I, but Trump you know, can be guilty. He can be innocent. That's not my job. To make he sure justice like is done is my job. Mm-hmm. Paul, yeah. it's our job. Well, one, it's of really things, our job. one of the things you have to impute when you're looking at that kind of thing is intent. What was his intent? Mm-hmm. His intention was to change the votes in Georgia. At least that's what he said. That's what I heard him say. But he didn't tell all of us that. Well, he could have. And, and anybody can say that. But there are laws out there where you have to work within. Making assessments yep. against something is not the law. And just because you can say it, you, you can't do it. Well, Paul, you raise an, an interesting point, and, and that is that if, if Georgia somehow were flipped, um, or one of the other states, as a result of these objections today at the Capitol uh, to the Electoral College votes, it it wouldn't change no. the outcome of the election overall, but I wonder if it would create enough of a case to postpone and yeah. investigate. It would it would raise more of those doubts that have been kicking around yeah. for a long time. That's no, that's uh, unfortunately, yeah, that's in question. We've never had a, an experience there. And so things are un- unraveling because we have a different situation with this president than we've ever had before. <laughs> That's true. And uh, New year, new ground. Two, we've had 241 of these incidents, and they all happen regularly from January 20th to January 20th, 241 years ago, and without incident. 
Yeah, my question is, if he was successful, who would be the president on the 20th of January? Actually, uh, Nancy Pelosi would. If, if, you, if you avoid the election and there's yes. nobody to take over, Nancy. Nancy Pelosi would, at least for the, for the moment, maybe a short moment, would become president yeah. on January 20th. We would have a woman president. Well, no, we, got, <laughs> we still have a vice president. We still have a vice president. So yeah, but he he's, he's that under the same election laws as the president. He doesn't automatically yeah. take office. Yeah, yeah, I but think he is. Yeah, if you avoid the whole election, if you avoid, avoid both president and vice presidential election, then the next person in line is the Speaker of the House. Yep. Yeah, but the claim is not against Pence. It's against the president. Well, yeah, but they're both on the same ticket. If the election is suspended, he didn't get reelected yet. Yeah. And yeah. But one of the scenarios that Brandon Beery brought up this morning that I thought was interesting was the possibility of Trump resigning. And, um, you know, then, then Pence would become president for two weeks and pardon Donald Trump. Yeah, I've heard that mentioned. Yeah. And, and yeah. the thing that I couldn't help wondering is if Pence got to be president for two weeks, would he get a library? <laughs> maybe a maybe a two foot shelf somewhere in Indiana. <laughs> well, yes, he would yeah. just as since uh, the two hundred forty one years a library has given to anybody who's occupied that seat. Well, if Pence did pardon Trump, it would not apply in Georgia or New York State. So there he yeah, is. That's right. Yeah, the, the state prosecutions are still there. That's right. That's right. Yeah, but you know <clears throat> uh, when you talk that way. We talk about the total destruction of, a, of the United States as a free and democratic society. It's over. When you take and condemn your president before the world and put him up on the gallows, it's all over. It's the same thing that we did to Mary well, that, Lincoln back in the old days. That's, that's an important uh, point, Henry, and it, and it leads into this next piece. Acting Defense Secretary Christopher Miller on Monday approved a request from the mayor of Washington, D.C. to deploy National Guard forces to the city to support local authorities during pro-Trump demonstrations scheduled in the city. Uh, a defense official uh, shared this with CNN. Mayor Muriel Bowser made the request Thursday in a letter addressed to Major General William J. Walker, the commanding general of the D.C. National Guard, in which she referenced protests in the city in November and December that resulted in a large influx of participants, violence, and criminal activity. D.C. Police Chief Robert Conti told reporters on Monday that the National Guard will assist with crowd management and traffic control, freeing the city's police officers to focus on potential acts of violence and other security issues. Are these, these large demonstrations in support of Donald Trump planned for uh, today in Washington likely to become unruly? It's yeah. certainly been a possibility. In fact, I'm sitting here in front of my computer watching. There's a live broadcast now of the a demonstration in front of the White House uh, as the crowds are, nobody's speaking yet, but the crowds are gathering apparently in front of the White House right now. Um, well, they yeah, arrested I think it's, the leader well, of the Proud Boys as he uh, arrived. Yeah. And I guess they've arrested three or, two or three or four of the other leaders in the in the groups that are expected 
That was interesting they, with the uh, with the leader of the Proud Boys because they uh, um, they they arraigned him and then threw him out of town. He's not, <laughs> he's not allowed to come into Washington D.C. until his uh, his hearing. And, and it just fine. sounded it sounded like such a such an old west. TV yeah, solution, it's kind of you know. like an old episode of Gunsmoke where the yeah. marshal throws you out of town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I hope they drove him out of town and dropped him off where he had to hitchhike. <laughs> yeah, it has the potential for violence simply because of the history of what's happened in the past. Yeah, there have been more than a few. Well, but if you were to ask other people around the world, do they think that there's cheating in the American political system? What do you think they would believe? Oh, well, I don't know. Right they now, they're believe? probably uh, worrying about whether they can get a vaccination. No, I don't I, know that the rest of the world is taking that attention. comment. But, but what do you think other people think about this process that must endure another 241 years? Do you think we cheat? We have paraded around the world as being the ideal land to live in. No, I think one worrisome thing is though, the lack of trust in the system in general can undermine any system. Yeah. That, we're seeing an awful lot of that. I mean, not, it's so not just lack Trump of trust alone, but it's both ways. And I think we're so focused on, on those, uh, those feelings and, and those divisions in this country that we're really not taking note of the fact that a lot of this is going on in other countries, too. Yeah, it it, it goes, but we we exemplify ourselves as the world's best and most humane and most prosperous economy the world has ever known, and that all things come together for the common good. Well, here's an unusual piece. President Donald Trump included a former Republican congressman from Michigan in the grants of clemency he handed out last Wednesday. Trump pardoned Mark Siljander, who served time for charges related to work he did for an Islamic charity that federal authorities had linked to terrorist groups. Siljander, 69, who represented southwest Michigan, from 1981 to 1987, uh, pled guilty in 2010 to obstruction of justice and to acting as an unregistered foreign agent in federal court in Missouri, where the Islamic American Relief Agency was based. Charges related to money laundering were dropped. Siljander, who was never charged with terrorism, was sentenced in 2012 to one year in prison and six months of supervised release. Siljander was included when Trump granted pardons to 26 people last Wednesday and commuted part or all of the sentences of three more people in the latest controversial use of the presidential clemency power. Those pardoned include former campaign aides and the father of Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner. Is nepotism conspicuously absent from presidential clemency powers? (laughs) <laughs> no, <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, but it's certainly more more pronounced here because so many so many members of the president's family are are in public uh, public positions, and uh, and are subject to some of these things. Yeah, I think what occurs to me is he seems to favor, and of course there's a statistical amount that I haven't looked at, but he seems to favor people who are unregistered agents of foreign government. 
Um, and if you look at the people he's already pardoned, a few of them were charged with that particular crime. Well, I, I happen to know uh, Mark Sojander, but I I knew nothing of his activities. Uh, of course, he lived on the, the uh, other side of the state, but I knew who he was. I think he, even so, the, even the uh, the current Republican member of, of of Congress from that area has denounced that that pardon from one from one statement I think I read in the last week. Yeah, there there are probably a lot more pardons to come. Oh yeah, there's two more weeks to go, so who knows? Yeah. Now, do you think Giuliani's going to get pardoned for bad hair dye? <laughs> <laughs> Hope he does. Boy, that was that was pretty awful. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. He, that's unpardonable. <laughs> yeah, yeah he's, he's beyond pardoning at this point. It's <laughs> pathetic. Yeah, <laughs> but he did what he was supposed to do. He was supposed to support the president of the United States. That was it. Too thick and thin. That wasn't supposed right to lie. That's it. Well, there are a couple of things going on that uh, that are you know, the top of the headlines and all the other media outlets, and that, of course, is the uh, consideration of the um, uh, certification of the Electoral College votes, which is supposed to take off at 1 o'clock today in, in the Capitol, and, of course, the uh, outcome of yesterday's uh, special Senate election in Georgia. Um, they've, they've called it for... Uh, um, is it Warnock? Yeah, Warnock. 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 Um, yeah, from the Ebenezer uh, Church there in um, Atlanta, I believe, and he um, he is the first African American uh, senator from Georgia, and one of only a handful, three or four, I think, ever in the Senate. Um, Interesting, but it's interesting to watch the Ossoff. Yeah, um, he's he's ahead there at the moment, but again, that's uh, probably going to go through. Can a I out. just go back? Can we? Can I just comment on uh, Warnock? Yeah, yeah, please. Uh, well, I was not surprised by the election of Pastor Warnock into the United States Senate due to the fact that most Black Americans live in the South and have historically shaped legislature, the legislative agenda, the cultural and clerical policies, and practices throughout the nation's history. <clears throat> there are three reasons why I support that. And the one is, I, as I have alluded, most blacks live in the South. And if they vote as a solidarity group, 90% of that vote will go to the black candidate. Well, and it was interesting and, and because he's, he's, he's done better in his campaign than uh, than Ossoff did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but but just looking at the black vote, Warnock's elect that election was imminent, as most uh, political theorists would guess. In this uh, in this microcosm, here, black Americans demonstrated that they could move the needle. But the the, this, the same phenomenon is not determined if they could move the needle in a national election. As those which requires, which we, which, and, and they're growing, and this should be significant to all Americans. As those votes they should, are being they, counted, they should be able to observe that. As those votes I think, are, I are, think, dismiss it. 
I think the black vote also helped to Joe Biden. Oh, I think so too. Yeah, um, as those votes oh, are being doubt. counted, well, it's looking yeah, without a doubt, it's looking more yeah. and more like uh, the Senate is going to end up fifty-fifty with uh, Kamala Harris, uh, Democratic uh, vice president, as the deciding vote. Does anybody else think it was a little bit odd that that right away out of the Biden campaign they started talking about switching their attorney general uh, nominee? I think they were waiting until they knew that they would have an easier road to a confirmation in the Senate. It it just seemed to me like, oh, well, you know, now that it looks like we'll, you know, get our picks, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to put put up some different names. I, I thought that was a little bit unusual or, or at least worthy of mention. Um, and, and the other thing, and we just have about three minutes left till we go to break again, um, is the uh, uh, the objections in Congress today? Uh, a lot of people are saying that that's really political theater. Um, how long do you think they're they're going to drag that out before ultimately the electoral college vote is certified? Doesn't each party get to? Oh, I think it's going to be certified today. I, th- I think well, they're going to wait until the fat lady sings. I don't know. Yeah, I think they're going to, re- so some of these objections, and I guess there will be, they, each party's going to recess for, I think they, somebody said two hours, well, and they're going to come well, back and Well, that would be procedural. Vote. That's procedural, yeah, I mean, it's, but it's uh, imminent, guys. It's imminent. Oh, yeah. It yeah. must happen. It's got to happen. Without well, it will happen. But I think when you talk about political theater, um, it reminded me of my comments about street theater when you're talking about um, any kind of a movement. Um, there's a place for it if you have an overall strategy, but otherwise it's just an empty exercise to get applause. And I don't know whether what they're proposing is an overall strategy. Is it part of an overall strategy, yeah. or is it just a way to get applause? Well, I don't know about That's all a good of that, question. but this is going to happen, folks. And, and, and to, to proclaim that anything else would happen, you're, you're uh, driving people to make decisions that are politically wrong for this country. Yeah, my, my concern is to it's going to raise distrust decisions. about the election process. Yeah. You know, for the long term. But don't you remember after the 2000 election, the federal government got involved in the state systems because they saw how um, unevenly and badly some of the systems were, and they actually set up some sort of a commission and they funded it, and, and they were helping the states buy better equipment, and it sort of fell apart, um, trying to think how long ago it was. I think it was during the Obama years, and the responsibility of that commission was handed off to, like, OMB or something like that, and it was completely shut down. So where are we now? Well, it's going to be interesting to see what the president does uh, once the uh, electoral vo- uh, college vote is, is certified, if he... If he sticks around or if he bugs out. Yeah. Uh, there's no place for the president to go, guys. It's over. Well, I heard he was going to Scotland, but then I read that Scotland didn't want him. So I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think Putin doesn't want him either, I guess. No. <laughs> well, we've got another break coming up here, and we'll come back with the, uh, the actual X-Files, although they're getting harder <laughs> and harder to tell from the regular stories that we talk about. 
Um, if you're listening to us on 92.1 FM WFOVLP, they are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my good friend Paul Herring. We're going to let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. We'll be right back. Hey, <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic. And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now. And now, too. And even now. They say singing can help you remember things. So here's some tips for parents out there during these tough times. Number one. Make sure your kids wash their hands for 20 seconds after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside. Two. Virtual play dates, social and physical distancing can help save lives. Three. Tell them they're safe and show your love and pride. Yes, we'll get through this together. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Tom Sumner program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. If you have a knack for sales and fundraising and would like to become a valued member of a fun team, you could be a good fit for the Tom Sumner program. Help us develop the underwriters needed to continue to grow our brand. Write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com. The Tom Sumner program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila, tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all-night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. It's a major factor in dancing like a retard. May cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy, and it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila! 
Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. The Tom Sumner Program.com. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome back, everybody. Armchair Politics continues with uh, the final and my favorite segment uh, each week, The X-Files, those weird and wacky, strange but true tales that we say for the end of uh, Armchair Politics each week. Well, uh, gang, it could have been alien elves. There was no other immediate explanation for a seven-foot-tall gingerbread monolith that mysteriously appeared in a San Francisco park. It's not how clear it's not clear how edible the structure was, but witnesses reported the texture and smell of the monolith panel seemed to be the real thing and it was decorated with frosting. The monolith appeared early Christmas day on a hilltop in Corona Heights Park overlooking the Castro neighborhood. Resident uh, Ananda Sharma told KQED Public Radio that he went for a run in the park early Friday and spotted what he initially thought was a big post. But as he ran closer, he could smell the gingerbread. The structure was the latest in a series <laughs> of monoliths that have appeared and disappeared from Utah to Romania. The San Francisco version appears to be the first made of a Christmas treat. Uh, would this newest monolith be best called the San Francisco treat? <laughs> no, it would be best called the Browning of America. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Henry. That's good. <laughs> it, it falls in place with everything else. <laughs> well, you know, I always say if you, if you don't laugh, they win. I think San Francisco <laughs> has an absolutely wonderful sense of humor and good taste. Well, <laughs> I, and... <laughs> And and I'm I'm glad that it was uh, gingerbread and not fruitcake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would have fallen apart, <laughs> <laughs> and the squirrels wouldn't eat it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, Boston Dynamics, the Massachusetts company known for its cutting edge work in robotics, released footage Tuesday of its famous robot collection, boogieing to the Contour's 1962 R&B hit, Do You Love Me? The impressive performance featured the humanoid Atlas, dog-inspired spot, and box-moving handle, 
all of which move with unsettling precision in the nearly three-minute routine. It went viral after it was shared by Reza Zeta, a technology executive and machine learning expert who said that the dance made the robots less intimidating. Is this how the robot overlords will celebrate when they take over the world? <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> it's how they will lull us into complacency. Yeah, everybody everybody yeah. loves the boogie. <laughs> I saw that. It was really delightful. You could almost believe that they were actually living beings. <laughs> that's right. That's true. Uh, let's see. Okay, here's, here's a weird one. German pilot Sammy Kramer has traced a giant syringe in the sky flying 200 kilometers to remind people about the start of the COVID-19 vaccination campaign in Europe. The 20-year-old pilot mapped out the route he would need to take on a GPS device before taking to the skies near Lake Constance in southern Germany. The syringe-shaped route showed up on internet site Flight Raider 24, Germany officially kicked off its COVID-19 vaccination campaign on Sunday. The federal government is planning to distribute more than 1.3 million vaccine doses to local health authorities by the end of this year and about 700,000 per week from January. This uh, came up just before the, uh, uh, the end of the year. Um, does an aerial depiction of a syringe make people more or less apt to attach conspiracy theories to Germany's vaccination campaign. <laughs> yeah, probably a good point. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't thought about that. I thought clever marketing, but now maybe not. Yeah, we'll blame the, the COVID virus on the Martians. <laughs> Look, the chemtrails yeah. are, chem are warning us. That's right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Stay away. <laughs> be afraid. Be very afraid. Yeah. Uh, well, they say the truth is out there, but I don't know where. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, that wraps it up for uh, today's uh, installment of the X Files on uh, armchair politics. But we have three or four minutes left before the end of the hour, and uh, I just thought I'd uh, first say thank you to uh, Henry Hatter. Paul Rosicki and Bobby Clayton Walton for participating in this uh, first edition of uh, Armchair Politics for the year 2021 and see if there are any uh, any final thoughts that any of you have before we wrap up today. I just well, came across I'd like a strange to say story you guys here. Can go go to bed. You can go to bed tonight and sleep well because tomorrow we will have a new president. Well, the 20th week. Two more weeks. Yeah. Two more weeks, yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> obviously, there's still procedural things to be done. But. Yeah. Yeah, official. But, yeah, I have a complaint. But we need to stop talking about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with Henry on that, and I, and I hope that we, uh, that we do get a chance to look at, at some other things um, going forward in the new year. What, were you gonna, what was your complaint, Bobby? Um, you killed my laptop. I was um, oh, tuning no. in to your earlier interview with Mr. Barry about the, uh, or Dr. Barry, about the uh, constitutional law issues. And right in the middle of the opening when I got on, my computer went pook, and now I have to call the Geek Squad. But oh, no. <laughs> Tom Sumner killed my computer. 
Well, you know, we it, it's a pretty good show, but, uh, you know, we I, I, this is the first computer we actually blew up. <laughs> it's a start, yeah. Well, yeah, maybe you just haven't heard about all the others. May, maybe they haven't been able to contact, contact me because their computers were broke. That's right. That's right. How do you call? How do you call in when you don't have a computer to call in with? <laughs> oh, that's that's terrible. That's so frustrating when that happens. And I just recently, uh, fortunately, went through um, some upgrades to all of my systems for the show and on my laptop and all of that. And and you know, even even when you try to get ahead of it, it's still tough. Oh, it is. Yeah, and yeah, I have learned to save. I've learned to save all my important documents on the cloud because then I can access it with my desktop. Because if I have to, you know, like get up all of the things that I've been importantly saving, then I would be dead in the water. Uh, Tom, I, I wanted to say I'm so pleased to see women step forward on the platform that we've had screwed up for years, for centuries. <clears throat> And hopefully they will exhibit the kind of character that men have not been able to deliver. And that the, the world will change. And along comes our youth who will, uh, every 10 years, they don't follow the, the traditions of the past, the presumptive authorities of the past, but they strike out a new direction. And... Uh, the political system in the United States as a result of that. Will well, Henry, and will survive. Do you think women are are maybe less uh, confrontational and less combative than men? And if so, how do you explain Governor Whitmer? Well, Governor <laughs> Whitmer, she's just like any other man that steps out of line with the direction that humanity wants to go. You know. Well, I think the value of women, I think the value of women at the table is the same as the value of bringing all kinds of different interests to the table because you don't have different perspectives. I think we just lost Bobby. Bobby. Did we Bobby, blow up there? her other computer? <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, I'm Maybe sorry. Oh, I think, I I think we did. I didn't get a chance to hear that. I, I think never call me and you know what she was going to say. I, I I think she was just making the point that uh that we're seeing more women involved in things. This is the the largest uh population of women in the House of Representatives in US history uh, as we go into this new Congress. Um but Michigan's that it's top three or three offices and the governor, the but it's an, general, and secretary of state. But yeah, it's an for, indication for that more people across the board are being included. Yeah, it, it's not yeah. just gender, but uh, um, different races and creeds and so on. And it is it is a welcome thing. And uh, one of the things that we celebrate on this show, thanks to um, thanks to Bobby for uh, participating, Bobby Clayton Walton a political operative and 2020 elector, and uh, an elector from years past, our uh, good friend Henry Hatter. Thank you, Henry. You're welcome. And, Paul, thanks to you. You guys Happy always make this fun. Yeah. Happy New Year, everybody. That's uh, Smoking George tickling the ivories. Let me know it's time to head on down the hall to the, uh, to the living room. So good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. 
we want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And thanks for listening.